listening to Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This weekend, for several teams, absolutely everything in the playoff seating can be on the line. And despite that, America's team, some think, should sit everybody and just wait it out. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. You can watch us in the ESPN app. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance and HD. I cannot believe that this is a real conversation. The Cowboys come into the final weekend of the season, and yes, they need a miracle. The Cowboys cannot easily get the number one seed. But there are scenarios that involve uh, the Eagles losing to the Giants and then the 49ers losing to the Cardinals. Probable? No. But all these games going on at once while the Cowboys are playing and the Cowboys could, in that situation, end up all the way up for the Cowboys that have been a disaster this season with the number one seed. Yet, despite that, our guy, our friend, our football analyst, Dominique Foxworth, said this about the Cowboys. Oh, Lord. Resting players. It seems unreasonable to um, subject your players to the, or subject your team to the risk of injury in a game where you have a 2% chance of getting the bye. And more than likely, you're going to end up going down to Tampa. You resting the players with the number one seed on the line? No, because if you have any chance to get the number one seed, you should play your guys. And forget the number one seed. I think the Dallas Cowboys should play their players regardless. But let's talk about that number one seed and two teams right now that, that sit in front of them. You talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, we just seen the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the New Orleans Saints at home. So to sit up there and say, oh, the Eagles aren't going to lose to the Giants, you never know. That's why you play the game. The San Francisco uh, 49ers just had a scare versus the Las Vegas Raiders. We all know what your Raiders has been, have been this season, Fitz. No pun intended. I don't mean to throw any shade, but I'm just wow. calling a spade a spade. Wow. So anything can happen within these football games. Now, when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, your quarterback, Dak Prescott, even though he's had some moments when he's been phenomenal, he's had some moments where he's been terrible. And I'm talking about decision-making and turning the football over. He's tied right now with 14 interceptions. You want to know the two other quarterbacks he's tied with? Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. Mm. Yes, your guy, Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins, and we all, everyone views Kirk Cousins as a certain way. We've seen him in a primetime game against the Green Bay Packers this past weekend and have three interceptions in one game and a fumble as well, so four turnovers in one game. When I look at Dak Prescott, he's still turning the football over too, entirely too much. Now, Kellen Moore, I need him to get this offense back in sync. Not saying that they're out of sync, but the run game to be more valuable. To get his quarterback, Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, they got to meet with Dak Prescott. They got to continue to have these conversations about the turnovers because if you have those turnovers in a playoff game, you could be uh, sent home. Now, you look at the last, what, 10 years. The Dallas Cowboys have two playoff wins in the last 10 years. I don't think they have a luxury of sitting anyone. You look at the last games that they played this year, the last four against the Tennessee Titans, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Houston Texans. The Dallas Cowboys haven't played their best uh, football. The pass rush has been non-existent. I think the run game could be a little bit better. I think Dak Prescott cannot turn the football over so much. So there are things to be worked on versus just saying, well, I'm going to sit guys. And then you still have the number one seed on the line. You still have an opportunity to win the division. So play your guys and go into the playoff on a high note versus just resting guys with a little bitter taste in your mouth. Yeah, it feels like such a terrible message to send everybody like, hey, we got nothing to play for, especially knowing all the games are going on at once. Now, 
Uh, could I see a situation where they get to the half and all of a sudden San Francisco's blowing somebody out, Philly's blowing somebody out, they got no chance at moving up where they are, and suddenly in the second half they start peeling off and, and resting guys? Maybe. But to your point, I think rhythm matters. I, there, there's this rust versus rest conversation uh, that we talk about all the time, and should you rest your players going into the playoffs in general because of health? But I, it's a different conversation when you're playing your best football. If you're the Cowboys and you haven't been playing your best football, I think that it, you got to get every opportunity to get a little rhythm and and kick some butt. And to that end, I mean, Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner, said on 105.3 The Fan exactly what their strategy is going to be when it comes to whether or not players should sit or they should play. There's too much to play for. We should go out and play uh, and uh, uh, know that we've got two weeks before we have a playoff game. I mean – H.C., this is why they do it the way they do it. This is why the NFL now leaves week 18 until the very last second to tell you what time the games are going to kick off. This is why the NFL did not accidentally make sure that they put the Dallas game on at the same time as the San Francisco game on, is the same time as the Philly game. They're all going to be going on in that late afternoon 425 window on Sunday afternoon because all of those teams will be focused on each other's outcomes in some way, shape, or form. It, it creates some drama around Dallas, Washington. Like This all makes sense. The league did not do that by accident because they know that the Cowboys need this win with some help across the board which creates drama around some matchups that may not even have it otherwise yeah and I'm just a big fan of if you have something to play for within that last week guys should be playing or if you haven't been playing your best football that's another game that you can use and utilize going into the playoffs to say you know what we caught our rhythm that gives guys a little bit more confidence going into wild card weekend of the playoffs we can't sit up here and just say the Dallas Cowboys have been phenomenal the last four or five weeks. That hasn't been the case. Dak Prescott has played 11 games this season. He hasn't even played 16 because they have one more, which would equate to 17. But he's played 11 games, and he's tied right now for um, leading the National Football League in interceptions with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. So I think they need to find a little bit more rhythm. I think the run game could be a little bit more uh, better. I think the offensive line, those guys can gel a little bit better. I think the pass rush defensively, they can uh, step up a little bit more and start playing a different brand of football. There are a few things that they, they, they should be able to work on within their last football game against a Washington Commanders football team that is not terrible. They was just contending for a playoff before their head coach switched the quarterback to Carson Wentz and said that he didn't know they could be eliminated last week, which still is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. I I think the other part of this on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance is that the Cowboys need this number one seat. I mean, we talked earlier about how I don't think anybody, uh, all other things uh, aside, I don't think anybody needs the number one in the AFC more than Buffalo. But in the NFC, The Cowboys historically don't go on the road and win, right? So I'm looking at an Eagles team that I think is a roster is is very good, right? And I think the 49ers, we've all talked about their defense, without with the exception of what happened on Sunday against the Raiders, their defense has been great this year. If there's any team that's desperately looking at it, saying, "Please God, let me find a way to do this to get the number one seed in the NFC," for me, it's the Cowboys. They got to find a way into that spot. So they got too much to play for. I think they need the the number one the most in the NFC. See, for me, when I look at the NFC in totality, I think it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. When you look at how they play at home, you know, and 
you're going to have Jalen Hurts and how you can feed off that crowd. You've seen the energy when the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, went, mm. uh, made it to the World Series. We, we've seen it when Joel Embiid is playing well for the Philadelphia 76ers. You see it in, the NH, in, uh, in, in hockey when the Philadelphia Flyers are at the top of their game and how that city supports. We know what Philly is when it comes to its sports teams. And whenever they can host anything and have the number one seed, and you look at the last two years when they were able to make the uh, Super Bowl, they hosted, they literally hosted the NFC Championship game. I believe it was 2018 um, in the year before when they beat the Minnesota Vikings, and the year before that was 2005 when they hosted the NFC Championship game versus the Atlanta Falcons. They got the win. So we know when the Philadelphia Eagles are able to host the NFC Championship game, granted, if they make it that far, we know basically what the results could be. It could be them uh, leading to a Super Bowl appearance. Now, uh, whether they win the Super Bowl or not, that's to be said. But I think – the Philadelphia Eagles coming off, you know, two losses straight to the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints and Jalen Hurts not playing. I think having that number one seed and having that crowd to back you when your quarterback is back and is, and, and is in rhythm to play, I think it means everything to that city and to that team. Yeah, it's funny because I guess in my mind, in my mind, I've got this sort of concept that Philly can travel, right? Their their defense is good enough, uh, Philly can travel. They're, they're, yeah. that That's part of what we've seen in the past from the Cowboys. And I, you know me, uh, I hate this whole, well, they've never done it before. Like, does, does the lack of road success in the 90s mean anything to the, the Cowboys players now? Does the lack of road success 10 years ago mean anything? No, like none of that means anything. But it still makes me nervous, especially because the Cowboys have had moments where they're not playing the best football. Uh, I weigh sort of the, the concept of getting a little extra time for the Cowboys versus Jalen Hurts having extra time to get fully healthy. That becomes a wild part of this uh, decision now. There is one team in the position to get the top overall seed, the 49ers. The question is, if they get that seed in a bye, should they make a quarterback change? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The San Francisco 49ers have a shot at the top overall seed in the NFC. They have a shot at playing home games in the playoffs on a roster that has managed to play incredibly well with Brock Purdy as the quarterback. The question is, if Jimmy G's foot's ready for a return, should the 49ers consider a quarterback change? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just ask him to play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you day two for our show. We'll be with you every single weekday, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can hang out with us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Would you make a quarterback change? HD, this one's tough. Like, I, I've, as you know, we've been doing a lot of shows together to get ready for this launch over the last month. And I've constantly been sitting here questioning the 49ers because, you know, we've never seen anything from Brock Purdy. What can we trust? Well, all Brock Purdy has done is managed to continue to win football games for him. Even in a game where their defense didn't live up to expectations against the Raiders, Brock Purdy still puts up enough points to win. And now the 49ers could be in a really weird situation where they got to decide between Brock Purdy and Jimmy G in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think it's a weird situation at all. When I'm looking at this quarterback, these two quarterbacks and Brock uh, Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo, 
I'm going to go with Brock Purdy. Since Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, and I'm going to include the game that Brock Purdy had to come in and play after Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt versus the Miami Dolphins, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a win for Brock Purdy as well. He's 5-0. Technically 4-0 being a starter, but I'm going to add that one to it. He's 5-0. When I look at this football team, this offense, you look at the surrounding pieces and Kyle Shanahan as well being a play caller, uh, I don't think it's been any moment where we've seen this offense and say, you know what, Kyle Shanahan is you know, putting him on a leash and isn't allowing him to be a quarterback. No. Kyle Shanahan is calling the same plays, I think probably more so than, than he did with Jimmy Garoppolo because Brock Purdy has shown that he can make the throws, he can, he can make the right decisions, and he can be the quarterback of this team, leading them, even though he was a third-string quarterback coming into the season. Now, I also have seen since Brock Purdy become the quarterback, George Kittle. Not saying that George Kittle had some diminished play, but I also have seen his play be elevated a little bit more and get the football more since Brock Purdy stepped in as a quarterback. I've seen Brandon Ayuk step up in the absence of Debo Samuel. They're going to get Debo Samuel back at some point. Also, Christian McCaffrey in that run game has been phenomenal. It's always been phenomenal. But whenever you have so many different pieces and so many different offensive weapons, I don't think you have to, you know, change your quarterback. Brock Purdy hasn't de- done anything for this team to help this team lose. Well, and, and the- to that end, AC, like think about mm-hmm. think about the playoff performances from Jimmy G too, right? Like, yeah. they've been okay, but they haven't been like lights out. Like some, you know, the caller that called in earlier and said you can't pay Lamar because he's uh, one in three in the playoffs. Well, I mean, Jimmy G, I pulled it up here. You're talking passer rating is seventy four point one, four touchdowns, six interceptions in seven games in the playoffs in his career, and like. We we every year I feel like every stinking time Jimmy G's in the playoffs we have this conversation about the coaches don't trust him right so like if the coaches don't trust him enough to give him any equity in the game plan anyway why make a change if Purdy's got the hot hand like this isn't a normal my starters back healthy this is the guy we didn't really want that we just sort of kept to keep away from other teams it's our backup is healthy. I don't know that there's a, enough of a difference at this point, which is kudos well, to Brock Purdy. And we're also talking about a Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it was uh, in the NFC Championship game back in 2019. I hope I got the date right. That went six for eight for 77 yards. <laughs> and, the, and the San Francisco 49ers won because they rushed for 285 yards. So the way the offense is constructed and the way it's built – and you have so many, when you talk about a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, a George Kittle, a Kyle Juszczyk, a Christian McCaffrey, mm. uh, a mm. Jennings, a, a other wide receiver at that position, a Trent Williams, a Mike McGletchy at right tackle. You have so many weapons on this team offensively that you can trust Brock, Brock Purdy being your quarterback, I think, going into the playoffs. Also, you got to look at the defensive side of the ball. You look at D'Amico Ryans, their leader on that side, and what he's been able to do as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Nick Bosa leading the lead in sacks. Being able to show up in games like last weekend against the Raiders in overtime where you need your star why, why player you on defense to, to make I'm a right play. Here. I'm and right he here. Why hit you the quarterback, Jared Stenham, and why they got an interception. I'm sorry, Fitz. I had to bring it up again. Your why beloved you? Raiders. I'm sorry. No pun intended. I'm just talking about facts, my man. But then you also, mm-hmm. you know, look at that linebacking core. Uh, Greenlaw, uh, Fred Warner, Al Shair, other people on the defensive line, Javon Kinlaw, their former first-round draft pick, he's back from injury. Uh, Eric Armstead, he's back as well. They can literally rush for and get pressure. 
but I do love the addition of Shavarius Ward. And here's why. Normally, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, they don't really like to play man coverage. But you bring in a corner in free agency, Shavarius Ward, who came from the Kansas City Chiefs, and all they have done is play man coverage because that's what their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, wants to do. I don't know why, but that's what he decides to do. So now you have an element, a guy that's physical at the point of attack and press coverage versus the opposing team's wide receiver. That's a different element. You also look at the safety uh, position in Hufunga, who is a baby Troy Palomalu, who's going to play with instincts, who's very aggressive. Sometimes it may cost him, but I would, I would caution on the side of, you know, letting Hufunga Funga be who he is and making a million plays versus getting beat two or three times. I can live with that. I think there's so much for the San Francisco 49ers team defensively and so much around Brock Purdy offensively, plus Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. I think Brock Purdy should be the quarterback. I mean, this comes down to just the roster's better. Like yes. well, Everything you just said it, it just speaks to the fact that the 49ers have done a beautiful job building such a good roster that it does not matter who their quarterback is. And I was wrong about that. Like, I thought Brock Purdy coming in was going to be a liability at some point. And to your point in the game that I barely remember, because, I mean, it wasn't that significant, for the Raiders <laughs> uh, just a few days ago, I watched Brock Purdy in so many situations where he was able to handle what was coming at him. He found the right read. Ayuk was uncoverable on those little slants. Like, there was just nothing that the Raiders could do to take away Purdy, knowing where he wanted to go with the football. But he also did a really nice job of looking people off like Purdy did a great job in that offense when he was asked to do exactly what he needed to do so I look at the 49ers I'm like my god top to bottom your roster's better than everybody else's and by the way your coach is better than a lot of these coaches so you got rhythm why would you make a change at the quarterback position if you got rhythm and the rest of your roster is that great like I feel like at this point Brock Purdy could be me walking into a flag football contest at ESPN. And it just happens to be that my team is you and Orlovsky and Spears and RC. And I'm taking on like five guys that work in the cafeteria that have never seen a football game before in their life. All I got to do is not muck it up. And as long as I don't muck it up, we're going to be fine. Like Brock Purdy I like, is that. I like that. Muck, muck, muck it up. I like that. Muck. We're going to make the, that a phrase for one letter. Yeah. But I will say this. This is also why the San Francisco 49ers in my eyes don't need the number one seat. You look at last year going mm -hmm. to Dallas, beating them on the road, going to Green Bay, beating Green Bay in the cold, blocking a punt, you know what I mean, uh, uh, shutting down Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They don't need the number one seed because the way they play football, which is physical and tough, physical defense, hard-nosed defense, see ball, get ball, put that right L on people, that right L. <laughs> those of you who don't understand, that's called a helmet. They no mm -hmm. longer call it that. They call it different names now. But you put that right L on the ball carrier and see what happens after that. But you also see the run game, right? When it comes playoff team, uh, playoff time, can your can your offense rush the football effectively when you get a lead? Can you run the clock out? Can your four minute offense be correct? And I will say, also, they played the NFC Championship game last year on the road and should have won that game versus the Los Angeles Rams, who went on a run and, and won the Super Bowl. But if it wasn't for a safety dropping an interception, but that's a story for another day. Dude, story for another I'm day. I'm telling you, you give me this 49ers roster versus anybody else in the NFL. Uh, there's no team in the NFL that I am more scared of playing on any given Sunday than the San Francisco 49ers. And it's not even close. Like, in my mind, the 49ers are absolutely the team to beat. And that's why I'm with you, HD. I, I don't think they need the number one seed. They can beat anybody from anywhere. All right. The NBA is absolutely drunk right now. We'll get back to all the football content. But last night was freakish for one star. We'll tell you about it. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
Kyle Kuzma will hand it off to Porzingis. He's defended by Giannis. Tries to attack on him. Giannis knocks it away, comes away with a steal. Here he goes. He's going one-on-one with Morris. Goes right at him and lays it in. He's not done yet. 55 points for the Greek Freak. WTMJ on the call. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Day two of the debut of our show. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we will be with you every single weekday from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also watch us in the ESPN app. One thing we've been talking about the NFL all day. One thing you're going to find out quick is that we both absolutely love the NBA. One of my favorite podcasts is Perkins Swagoo podcast. We're going to have both of them throughout the course of the show. That's a sneak peek. But Kendrick Perkins, Perk joining us right now, ESPN NBA analyst. Perk, we were just talking about it during the break. Man, in this version of the NBA right now, would you average 30 points a game? Feels like everybody's scoring. I wish. <laughs> My career high was, I believe, was 29. I mean, at least I could have had a career high of 30-plus. I mean, I mean, but that just tell you the evolution and how skilled these players are. Like, you know, I, I think we take for granted watching these seven-footers, right, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, you know, Lucas, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, They're skill set and ability to just get buckets, even Jason Tatum. I mean, this is, I mean, this is just the evolution of basketball. Yeah, Perk, when you look at it and you look at the top five scores in the National Basketball Association right now, did you ever think it would get to a point where the top five guys are averaging over 30 points at this juncture in the season? I didn't. I didn't. But we see it now. But you know what? It don't surprise me. It don't surprise me because, you know, all you've been hearing is from Adam Silver is the, you know, you just think about everything that's been put in place from the tape files. And, like, they want it to be highlights. Like, you want the views to be up. You want teams to be scoring 135 in regulation or 150 like OKC put up on the Boston Celtics last night. So, I mean, it don't surprise me. I mean, guys just don't play defense no more. Yeah, but it's sort of surprising to me because in that conversation, Jokic is this, you know, we've got this two-time MVP in, in the analytics show. He's even better this year. He's going to be a three-time MVP. And, like, casuals that don't pay attention to the league at all wouldn't know him if he walked into a Starbucks and ordered coffee. Like, what for a league that, like, markets everybody, why can they not market their MVP, man? Well, it's hard. It's hard. And, man, you know what? Shout out to Jokic for representing for – uh, all the whack bodies across the world. You know what I mean? When I get when I see a, when I see a guy represent like him, man, who represents for us as whack bodies, the guys who couldn't get chiseled up and putting in that work, it brings a smile to my face. But like I was having this discussion the other day, and with a group of my friends, and they asked me about the face of the league. And you would think, right? You see, Giannis, two times, two time MVP, Jokic, two time MVP, and it's like, are they the face of the league? And I'm like, no. Nah. Like when you think of the face of the league, not only do you have to be putting up numbers, okay? Not only do you have to be, uh, you know, have the accolades, but you also got to have the highlights. You also got to be able to sell the jerseys. You also got to be able to sell the shoes. And so when I look at a guy like John Morant, right? who's box office, who's selling out arenas, who's on everybody highlight reel every single night he plays, who's going to give you two or three highlights plus winning basketball, plus the numbers, plus being in every conversation for his MVPs, all NBAs. 
Like, that's why I tell people, like, when we talk about the greatest player of all time and we look at LeBron James, he has been on top for as being the face of the league, the best player in the league. He had a span of about, what, 15 to 18 years. 15 to 18 years. So it's more than, it's more than just, you know, uh, you know, putting up the numbers and the accolades. It's also about your brand as well. Ooh, that's that's, that's a good yeah, point. Now, I got to ask you because we just seen Giannis last night score 55. What have you made of, of Giannis saying that he wants his game to be so good, Perk, that it's boring? You know what? I love it because it, it speaks of his mentality. See, everybody, all the young guys and all the superstars around the league and be like, oh, we don't care about, you know, individual numbers or we don't care about other teams and what they're doing. They're damn lies. So, like, you got to think about it. Luka had his spectacular performance against the Knicks. Um, um, you, you look at what uh, Donovan Mitchell did the other night, and then all of a sudden you you look at Giannis. Giannis took 33 shots. Giannis never takes 33 shots. He always have 30 points on 18 and 19 field goals made. He took 33 shots last night. So when I look at that, I'm like, Giannis is watching. And Giannis is saying, anything you could do, I could do better. And that's the mentality that you want to have. You want to have guys fighting for the MVP and chasing those accolades. It's part of the game. One of the stars of the league, uh, obviously Zion. We talk about him constantly, but he's hurt yet again. You think the Pelicans can survive without him for the next three weeks? They can. Man, they, they're, they're well equipped. Uh, when you when you talk about having one of the deepest rosters in the league, they have that. C.J. McCullough is still an underrated player. Uh, you know, they have, you know, Jose who comes in and has spectacular moments. And, and guess what? They're very well coached. So I think they'll be able to stay afloat. You know, with Zion, it just makes them a contender. But they'll be able to stay afloat and be able to, to stay where they are. Uh, but should we be concerned long term? Another injury for Zion? I, I would be concerned. I'm very concerned for the simple fact that can we see a full season or at least a half a season where he's not out, you know what I'm saying, where he's available? And I understand this is the thing that I feel like we're going to have to worry about for his entire career because of his body frame. Like, he's in shape. He's playing phenomenal basketball. But then again, he gets hit, he gets hit with a hamstring injury. And I know he can't control it, but is it because of his body frame? Is it because of his physicality? Like, those things are what we're going to have to worry about. You know what I mean? It's not when he's available. It's if he's going to be available. Now, Perk, the last thing I want to end with, you've you, you seen Big Bird before, Sesame Street, you know, when you were a little younger, right? Yeah. So is it safe to say that bottle, that body that can't, you know, be chiseled up <laughs> is a Big Bird body? That's a, you know, we got to have a name for it, Perk. <laughs> well, I don't, know. I don't know about the Big Bird. I don't know about the Big Bird body, but, you know, I call it all team – Whack body, but we could say the big bird body. You know what big I'm saying? Bird body, I, got baby. A big, I, I, I got a big bird body. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's okay. But I love that the way that Jokic is doing it, man. And, and it's just crazy because people think I be tripping when I say, oh, he's the most skilled big to ever play the game of basketball. Well, we forget jumping. We're talking about a guy who could barely do a calf raise and out there putting up 25, 11, and 9 a night. You know, like, Doing that at this time with this evolution of athletic players, 
it's just a beautiful thing. But I like the big bird body. Big uh, bird, whack body, however you want to call it. I mean, Perk, we got Swagoo coming on uh, in the next hour. Swagoo, like, is yep. he a big bird or is he a snuffle up against? Like, well, what, what, <laughs> what are we doing with Swagoo? <laughs> I mean, Swagoo, whack body, you know it. He ain't going to hide it. Tell him I'm is, is he a That's Barney body? Like, what, what, what is he a yeah, Barney, Barney body? body? Yeah, like, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Perk, man, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Happy New Year, my friend. Thanks for joining the show. All right. Thank you, my brother. Uh, Kendrick Perkins. Uh, be sure to check out Perk and the Swagger. It is a great podcast. Uh, two great individuals that also do a great, great job. I love uh, covering everything. Yeah. Now, Perk, Perk he, is. Him just, and my brother played together in New Orleans for the Pelicans, man. So I've known Perk for a while. It's funny because I didn't meet him until he started working here. And, uh, you know, we became quick text buddies. And you just want to talk about like a guy that always makes you smile. Like he, he's one of those guys that just getting a text from him always brings a smile to my face. Uh, all yep. right. From a big bird body to the end. MVP monster, but does it create a problem for the NBA? We'll break it down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas, also on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The NBA may have a marketing problem in the form of greatness that people just aren't investing in. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Smart speakers. I don't know what a smart speaker is, but that's because I'm watching Harry Douglas dance. And when that happens, what's the name of the show again? Fitz? Uh, it, it fits in some guy uh, presented by <laughs> <laughs> the number of times. Uh, no, okay, Fitz and Douglas. Nope, that's not it either. Uh, uh, I think Harry the, and Fitz. No, no, no. Uh, Fitz, uh, Fitz and Rogers. Uh, no, uh, all right. No. <sighs> Fitz and Harry on ESPN Damn. Radio. There we go. He's Harry Douglas, <laughs> and he's my forever MVP. Uh, but Harry, like you know, I've talked about before, I host Sports Center on Snapchat a couple of days a week. So uh, about a million kids uh, every day tune in to Sports Center on Snapchat, specifically 13 to 24 years old, and what they love are highlights. So we lead almost there. Like I'm going to go in tonight. I'm going to host Sports Center on Snap. It'll be up tomorrow morning if you're on Snapchat. And when you, I, I will guarantee you right now that the lead story will be some incredible highlight from some. NBA game. I can count in the years I've hosted that show the number of times we've led with a Jokic highlight on one hand. Like, it just doesn't happen. And the crazy thing is Denver. This is the stat I want everybody to know. Denver has an offensive rating of 122.7. That's the best NBA offense this week, this year, with offensive rating. That's also the greatest offense in recorded history. When he is not on the court, that rating falls to 101.6. That would be dead last in the NBA this season and the worst we've seen in a decade. So, offensive efficiency numbers, best ever with Jokic on the court. Not on the court, the worst we've seen in the last 10 years. You talk about that difference, it speaks to the MVP. But, AC, you got a problem when you're three-time possible three-time MVP, but you're two-time defending MVP is somebody that most people don't even know. Like, the NBA's got a marketing issue when their best player, according to that award, is somebody that has no Q rating. Well, I'll tell you this. I love everything about Nikola Jokic in his game, a.k.a. the Joker. Because, like Perk just mentioned, he can barely do a calf raise. He's barely jumping off the floor, but he's so skilled. You talk about a guy that could play with his back to the basket, 
play uh, facing up, can beat you from the mid-range game, can shoot down the, uh, the trifecta, as Dickie V would say. He can do so many different things, but not only that, he can pass the basketball. And you just look at his numbers right now, he's averaging 25, 10.8 rebounds and nine assists. He's almost averaging a triple-double right now in the National Basketball Association, on top of being the number one seed at the moment in the Western Conference. So uh, when you look at a guy like Nikola Jokic, and last year a lot of people said, well, he has those numbers like that because, you know, Jamal Murray was injured, Michael Porter Jr was injured well guess what ladies and gentlemen Jamal Murray and Michael Porter they're playing this year they're on the team and he's still putting up numbers and still has his basketball team in a position to do well and have the number one seed currently so what he's been able to do over the last three years has been phenomenal and I don't think he get enough attention as uh, as he should but Perk brought up a good point as well as we just uh, had him on the show last segment is that you don't have the flash plays, right? You don't have the athleticism. You don't have the dunks. You don't have the, you know, behind-the-pack passes like we see with Luka. And I think some of those things kind of hurt um, Jokic. But at the end of the day, from a guy who loves to see basketball and, and, and basketball, uh, your skill set being shown, he's everything that I would want in a, in a basketball player. But I also think Perk makes a good point in the fact that, like, look, there's I'm going to say something to you, HD, something to you Talk I to say you. all the time, but I'm going to say it to you right now again. Talk to me. I need your hookup, right? Like because I yeah. want the jaws, the jaw one that, that debuted on Christmas Day that Ja Morant was wearing. Like those jaws. I don't I don't even like spending money on anything, especially sneakers. But I, I am gonna rely on the fact that Harry Douglas knows somebody that knows somebody at Nike <laughs> that can get me the jaw ones. I whatever whatever it, whatever it is you want, I return for to get me the jaw ones. Those sneakers look incredible and jaw looks incredible in them. I Wait a want minute. The Wait a minute. Ones. You said whatever I want, uh-huh. you would give me Mm-hmm. If I get you some jaw ones, uh-huh. there, there's no no fence no, no fence up no I'm, fence up with that. Usually isn't with me, sailor. Okay, that sounds like a deal to me. <laughs> I just sounds made like, everybody on sounds like a damn deal to me. Uh, yeah. But here's the thing: if I ever hit anybody up saying, "Boy, I really love those new Jokic shoes," like there is a marketing <laughs> thing. You're like, ain't nobody looking around saying, uh, "Man, you got the new Jokers." Like that's not a thing, right? You know, uh, it, there is this moment where the marketing around guys like John, the marketing around guys like Zion, like there are just certain people that you gravitate to that you want to see in commercials. If I'm the NBA, I'm launching a, a right now oh, an ad that's campaign. Be- that's because where our world is um, uh, as a whole. Like, we love the flashy. We love the splash plays. We love the dunks. We love the behind the back. We love, you know, a a person being able to drop 60, a a 60-point triple-double. You know what I mean? John Morant going up and blocking somebody's shot against the backboard, being a small guy. He is the the Allen Iverson with size. Not saying that he's 100% Allen Iverson because I don't want people to be in my mentions because, you know, I talk back. Sometimes I'm a bad kid. I talk back now. He's a clapper. He's going to clap right on back to everybody. Uh, You know, my new approach to to Twitter hate this year is to embrace it with kindness. I'm going to give everybody a hug that comes in to give me hate. Like, so well, you only know, some people you, well, you can do that with some, you know, some people you got to put in check. You yeah. know, my, my daddy taught me that some people you got to put in the damn place, that, that, no matter that, what the circumstances that's are. Fair. I, I had a, uh, you know, we did an article for chalk on the ESPN betting site uh, where I picked a Rose Bowl and I said, Utah was going to win in a blowout. And I wasn't afraid of the over Penn State fans immediately after that win had been hit. Like they've just been blown up my menchies <laughs> and I just respond to all of them. I'm like, yep, can't get them all right. But I really appreciate you pointing it out and hope you have a great game. Enjoy the win. See, this is new. Nice me. I'm going to try this new nice approach like see how that works because but but I, but I will say this when you when you look at guys in the NBA like let's take Giannis uh, for an example 
you see Giannis can go down and make a dunk and then come, go, immediately run down to the opposite side of the court and pin someone's shot up against the backboard. Giannis can, you know, take two or three dribbles from one end of the court and literally go 92 feet and dunk the ball on the other end. Those are the type of things that people love, like those splash type of plays. And we see John Morant being a smaller guy and being able to play above the rim. That's what people like. That's what people, that's what we show them on, on ESPN, on SportsCenter. So, of course, people are going to be gravitated towards that. Not many people are going to want to see, you know, Jokic with his back to the basket, fade away with the one leg up. And, you know, he does his little trot down the basketball court. People don't want to see that. I do, but the norm doesn't. Yeah, well, Fitz and Harry, by the way, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And, you know, it's just funny to me because if I was the NBA in clever marketing, in a, in a league that has marketed their individual athletes better than any other league in the entire world, I would absolutely right now be running campaigns where I have Joel Embiid and I have LeBron James and I have John Morant and I have Zion Williamson. And I, I would make a joke out of the fact that there's one guy in this ad every single time that nobody knows. And it's Jokic because you've got to find a way to embrace the fact that maybe your biggest superstar right now isn't comfortable being a superstar. And this is where yeah. you got that level of greatness. You need to be able to market it. Can you put some respect on Jason Tatum's name, though? Because you haven't mentioned him not one time, and I'm about to jump through this camera and jump through this phone on you, Fitz. I mean... Like, can you put some respect? Not respect with a how, with an E-C-T, okay. but with an E-K, respect. Jason put some respect Tatum, does that... Was that on was Jason it? Tatum's Jason name, Jason Tatum, was that a respectful way to do that? Because, like, like, by the way, Giannis, did I mention Giannis? Like, I'm putting Giannis in that conversation way before Tatum. What's like, his last name? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Look, I, I got that fanciness. Like, there ain't no doubt about it. I got that fanciness. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, Jason Tatum, is that how you put respect? On? I'm just making people really uncomfortable <laughs> with middle-aged white men trying to talk about respect. Uh, uh, look, we'll keep breaking down everything that you need to know about the NBA. But, of course, we got a ton of football to get into. We're going to talk to one of our absolute favorites that covers the NFL next about what the NFL should do and what it all means for everybody. Plus, we'll find out how he feels about Big Bird. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.